title of today's message is Christmas, Christ More. What is the reason for the season? This is not your atypical reason for the season message, though. I'd like to break it down in a, in a little different way, if that's okay with you. Christmas, Christmas is a time for crazy stories, right? Christmas is a time for crazy stories, don't you think? I mean, let's get real about Santa. Santa, right? His reindeer and the cute little elves chilling out in the North Pole, right? Just waiting on Christmas every single year. Christmas is a time for great stories. I mean, follow me along this line of thinking. We have this chubby guy, very chubby guy, with a massive white beard and an all-red suit with white fringe on it. And he flies around on a sleigh all during one really long night because he goes around the world and he follows night. Uh, yeah, anyway, if you're smart enough to comprehend Santa's transcendence, and that's impressive. Um, no, so Santa, this chubby, chubby guy, super overweight from eating all of the cookies every time he goes around the world. Giant red suit, white fringe, flies around the world. Although he is super huge, jumps down people's chimneys. Now, I don't know about any of you. Anybody ever just look up the chimney? Anyone? Have you looked up the chimney? People are like, no, that's stupid. I've never done that. Well, when I was a kid, I wanted to, I wanted to believe in Santa Claus. So I looked up the chimney. And I'm like, man, Santa is not going to get his fat butt down that chimney. <laughs> just not going to happen, you know? But uh, nonetheless, man, we, we are maniacs about this guy, Santa. And don't get me wrong. I'm not bashing on Santa. I love Santa. I think he's great. I plan on taking my kids to see Santa every year. I like to dress up as Santa myself sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. I actually hate it. Scratchy beard, it's awful. No, but man, we get hype about Santa Claus. We do. We get super hype about Santa Claus. My, my next question is, what in the world drove us to the fanatical, crazed mania that we have in our society surrounding Christmas? What in the world drove us to be people who are fanatical about Christmas? What is it? Any suggestions? Christ? I'd love to believe that. Anybody else? Presents? Shoot, yeah. Anybody been shopping lately? Anybody been shopping? Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, I've been shopping. I'm like, yes, I've been shopping. I mean, I'm trying to park on the back row of the TJ Maxx parking lot, people. TJ Maxx! <laughs> this is not like Nordstrom. And I'm parking on the back row because everybody is out shopping. And there is this crazed mania, this bloodthirst about Christmas in our society. What has created this absolute bloodthirst and this craziness? Uh, where did all the hype come from? Where did it all come from? Advertising? Yeah, some people are very good advertisers. Man, I don't know how much you know about, about Christmas. I won't bore you with all the dull details, but Christmas is a multi, multi-billion dollar industry. You're like, how can you call Christmas an industry? Christmas is a multi, multi-billion dollar industry. Every year, every single year, people make multi, multi-billions of dollars off of Christmas. Now, I myself have never even had a million dollars, so multi, multi-billions of dollars is crazy to me. But Christmas is, it's, it's crazy, it's hype, it's out of control. There's no place to park. Every store is out of my size. There's nothing left, and if I don't get that last gift before my in-laws come into town, I'm dead. That's Christmas. Where did all the hype come from? Now, let's, let's, let's sort of change pages a little bit. 
Why is it that in our society, in America, in the great old U.S. of A., in Katy, Texas, why is it that Christmas is this billion-dollar industry? It is this billion-dollar industry. Yet people, people who need Jesus Christ so desperately, they are in need of the love of Christ. These same people who are maniacs about Christmas, they're the ones trying to stamp out the real meaning of Christmas. Has anyone heard the, the stuff in the news about saying happy holidays? There are some places in our country where you're not allowed to be working for a store and say Merry Christmas. You have to say happy holidays. But yet the same people out of the other side of their mouth are also making billions of dollars off of this Christmas. So in all this hubbub, in all of this mess, in all of this sickness that comes with Christmas, it calls for us to stop and to look and to reflect on the real meaning, the real truth, the value in Christmas. Now, I like Santa. I'm not hating on Santa. Please don't go home to your six-year-old brothers and sisters and be like, Santa's not real. Our pastor said we hate Santa. Please don't do that. I love Santa. He's great. Please don't go home and, and tell your brothers and sisters, your parents will be mad at me, I'll get fired, it'll be ugly. Don't do it, please. Um, but, but it calls for us as Christians to cut through all of that, to cut through the marketing, to cut through the industry, and to talk about what really happened. What are we really celebrating? And presents are great. Presents are awesome. All of the food is good, except for, yeah, anyway, you know. Um, it's good stuff. But we need to know, what is the real meaning? I have, a, I have an appeal for you. Uh, the appeal is Christ is the center of every aspect of our lives. Let's make this holiday season, let's take this holiday season to reflect and remember why we have reason to celebrate anything at all. You see, if Christians, if Christians, followers of Christ, little Christ, the word Christian can be transliterated to mean little Christ, if we as little Christ, if we don't know how to celebrate Christmas, if we don't know how to keep Christ at the center of Christmas, how in the world could we expect to challenge the world with the true meaning of Christmas? The next appeal, let us as Christians in a world starving for the love of Christ yet doing anything to stamp it out, let us show the true meaning of Christmas. Remember to place Christ at the center of our lives. All right, we're going to open God's word. Yeah! That is what, you people impress me. You people impress me. We're going to open God's word. And, and I tell you what we're going to do. We're gonna, I'm going to teach for a few minutes, and then, and then I'm going to have a little break. And that break, I'm going to pull money out of my pocket, and I'm going to pay two people to say our ministry's theme verse. And if you notice, the 10 has now gone up to 20. So, in a few minutes, I'm going to ask for two volunteers, two volunteers to say our ministry's theme verse. Now, here's the deal. Shh, listen up. Some of you are flipping in your Bible right now, and you're going to go memorize it right now. That won't work. That won't work. I won't let you do it. I'll make fun of you if you don't get it perfect. I'm just kidding. I won't make fun of you. But you won't get $20 for trying. Trust me. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, turn in your Bible. That was very good, by the way. I love that. Oh, you guys warm my heart. 
Matthew chapter 1. Everybody stand up. And when you stand up, could you reposition your chair in such a way that when you sit down, you'll be able to see instead of like twisting your whole back? Matthew chapter 1. Here it goes. Verse 18. Verse 18. Everybody stand, please. Here we go. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace, he had it in his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Everybody say Emmanuel. Which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Take a seat and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, God. Man, we're here simply because of Jesus Christ. We're here just because of him, Lord. And we're here, God, not just because of the story of Christmas, God, but because of the life of Jesus Christ. Because he lived such a radical life, God, because he came to the earth and he did something that could not be done by mankind. He lived perfectly. And then he chose, even though he was the son of God, to die in our place for our sin, for our mistakes, God. Help us to reflect this morning on what a giant step, what a giant step it was for Jesus Christ to step into this world as our Savior. Thank you so much for this time this morning. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. Cool. All right. What's the verse and who wants to say it? Oh, we got some more volunteers this time. Look, a lot of people, I don't know, it's really tough for me, I'm not sure. You want to say it? Come on, man, come on up here. Come on up here. Yeah, we're raising the stakes a little bit. Hey, Debbie, could you uh, do me the pleasure? Uh-oh, that wouldn't work too good. <laughs> I'll tear the whole place down. Chris, let's hear it, man, the reference first, what is it? Say it in the microphone. Habakkuk 1.5. All right, that's good. You got that part. Now let's hear it. Look let's at the it. nations and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your time that even if you're told, you would not believe. Wow. Give him a hand. That was great. Man. 20 bucks, man. Man, this is costing me a lot, y'all. <laughs> you guys get good at this. It's killing me. You're working me over. Who else? I don't know. Uh, Marissa, come on. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, be healed. Just kidding. I don't know. That was good. Jonathan hit Felipe like that. That was awesome. You guys give her a hand. Come on up, Marissa! Woo! All right. Okay. The verse is Habakkuk 1.5, and it says, look at, the nations and, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you will not believe, even if you were told. 
Wow, great job. Give her a hand. That was excellent. Wow. All right. We're never doing it again. No, I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll do it again. Not next week because we won't be here, but the week after that we will do it. That was excellent. Very good. Pretty soon, uh, pretty soon I'm going to start challenging our leaders too. I, I heard a little birdie told me a story uh, about something that, that he used to do, and that is in the future I would like for you, the students, to be able to call out one leader. And then that leader will, when you call them out, be able to say Habakkuk 1.5, or they will owe you $10. That's including me. You can call me out. But I wouldn't because I know my stuff. I know my stuff. I'm on top of it. I've got at least half of the Old Testament memorized. No, I'm just kidding. That was a lie. That was a lie. Forgive me. Everyone's like, you're a liar. Our pastor is a liar. All right. So Matthew 1, verses 18 to 19. Let's talk about it. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Do you people really understand what it means to be found with child? To be pregnant with a child from the Holy Spirit? Now, if I came to you today and said that God had somehow impregnated me with a child from the Holy Spirit, how absolutely ludicrous is that, right? Would you believe me? No. It's okay. You can be. Some of you would believe me. Come on. Be honest. If I told you, you would believe me. Who would believe me? <laughs> Some people are winning the most gullible award in the world. I mean, no way. You would never believe me. So when the Bible says that Mary, Mary conceived of the Holy Spirit. I need you to know that this was not something that made sense. This was not the Christmas story. There was no Christmas story yet. And when Mary conceived and she got pregnant with a baby, with a baby, everyone, everyone looked at Mary and they whispered, that girl pregnant. She, she said it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's so funny. Mary was found to be pregnant with a baby from the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? Because I don't. And God's word says that this good lady was impregnated with a baby from the Holy Spirit. And don't you think for a second that people then, although they may have dressed differently, they cut their hair differently, that they were any different than we are. They looked at Mary, and they whispered a mile long every time she walked by. Ho. Slut. They whispered all those horrible things. You can't believe I said that in church, but that's what they were saying. I'm just quoting them. They were saying it in Hebrew. I can't. I don't know. I couldn't find the Hebrew word for that. <laughs> so it goes on to say, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, here's the deal. Back in the day, when you get married, it's called betrothed. So really what happens is your parents hang out with some other people's parents, and they say, our kids would be great together. Actually, no, they don't. They say, how many camels are you going to pay me for my daughter? My daughter is at least a 10-camel 10, 10 girl. 
Well, okay, what about the 10 camels and then how many cows you have? Well, you know, my daughter's at least worth three cows and 10 camels. Okay, fine, we'll pay 10 camels and three cows for your daughter to marry our son. And the kids are back here like, no, mom, he has bad breath. It's horrible. He's ugly. Mom, our kid, our kid's going to be ugly, mom. Come on, don't do this. So your parents set this thing up for you and you're forced, you're betrothed to marry this person. Whether you know them or not, it doesn't matter. Love is a totally different thing in this kind of a setting. But then what happens is that um, once you're betrothed, once the price is settled, you then wait a year. <laughs> so you're married, technically, you are husband and wife, but then you just wait a year. You wait, and what you're doing is you are testing the purity of these two young adults. You're testing their purity. And so Joseph, like it says in the Bible in verse 19, it says Joseph was a righteous man. So when he heard through the grapevine that Mary was pregnant with a baby that she says is from the Holy Spirit, he says, that's messed up. Mary cheated on me. We were supposed to be getting married. It's going to be great. My parents paid 10 camels and three cows for Mary. It was going to be awesome. It was going to be wonderful. But he was a righteous man, and, and though his heart was probably broken and wrenched because of what happened, because he had heard about Mary, but he was a righteous man. He was a man of great character. And although adultery, which is what it would have been if Mary would have conceived a child with anyone other than the Holy Spirit, adultery could cost her her life. In fact, someone could come grab her and they could try her on the spot. And being found guilty of adultery, she could be stoned to death. But it says in verse 19, Joseph, he was a righteous man and he didn't want to expose Mary to public disgrace. He had it in his mind to, to put her aside quietly, to do it sort of behind the scenes. You know, she made a mistake. Look, people make mistakes. I don't want her to die for that. So he's thinking, I'm just going to divorce her quietly. Uh, sorry, I skipped verses. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Joseph was like, oh my gosh. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph has a dream and an angel of the Lord appears to him and he finds out, wait a minute, the angel just validated Mary's story. It's true. She's conceived of the Holy Spirit. And as if it's not crazy enough that your fiance, your wife, has, is telling everyone, it's the Holy Spirit, I promise. It's not Joseph, it's not someone else. It's the Holy Spirit, as if that's not weird enough. Now Joseph has a dream. And, it, and it, the angel goes on to say to Joseph, she will give birth to a son, and you are going to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Wow. This righteous guy, Joseph, whose heart is broken, who thinks, wow, Mary has cheated on me, she's pregnant with someone else's kid. Now he, he hears validation. It's true. This baby's from the Holy Spirit. And on top of that, I'm going to name him Jesus, which is actually Yeshua or Yahweh, the one, the Son of God, the one who would save his people from their sins. And Joseph is hearing all this, 
and he's processing it. And it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. In Isaiah, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, people, do you realize that the circumstance to which Jesus, the Son of God, who is in heaven, is going to come into the world? Do you understand that people are whispering awful things about his mama? Do you understand that his dad thought about divorcing his mom before he was even born? And everyone, everyone said that Mary is crazy. She's got a baby by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph is the only one around who's crazier than her. Because now he's saying that an angel told him to go ahead. It's true. Go ahead and marry her. And name the boy Jesus. Because he's going to save the people from their sins. And people were thinking this guy's crazy. But the Bible says that this all took place to fulfill the prophecy. Which said that Jesus, Jesus, he would be born of a virgin. And he would be Emmanuel, God with us. And let me tell you, Jesus Christ, although he was perfect and he was God's son, some people say, oh, it must have been tough, man, Jesus to die on that cross. And don't get me wrong, it was tough. I have the utmost respect for that. But it must have been equally as challenging and equally as tough to be Jesus and to be God's son and to be sitting at his right hand and to leave the side of your father and come to an imperfect place where people have turned against God, where people have despised God, where people have made their own gods, where people worship anyone but the one true God. And you say, yes, father, I will. I'll make that journey. I will go to the earth. I'll be a little baby. People will talk about me like I'm a bastard child. But I'll do it because that's what you've asked me to do. And I'll do it because I love them. You see, people, it wasn't easy for Jesus just to come from the right hand of the Father and just come down to earth and be born as a little baby. And we have this picture of this beautiful, wonderful Christmas story. Man, it wasn't all like that, believe it or not. It wasn't all like that. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. You're talking about faith. You're talking about faith. This guy, Joseph, although everyone is talking about how lame and how crazy this whole situation is, Joseph says, it's what God wants me to do. I'll do it. Uh, it says, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, just to debunk your idea of how beautiful the little manger scene was. Let's turn over to Luke. Luke chapter 2, verse 6. Luke chapter 2, verse 6. It says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. So as if the story isn't humble enough, as if it isn't unbelievable enough, now, they have to travel across country, get told that there's no room for them, decide that they will stay in the stable. They'll stay in the stable. And when Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who would come to save his people from their sins, when he was born, they took little cloths and wrapped them around him, and they dropped them in the manger. 
Now, the manger is not this beautiful little ornamental thing. A manger is something that animals feed out of. So you have the Son of God, the one, the one who will save the people from their sins in this dirty, nasty feed trough. Are you beginning to get a picture of what this story really means? Of the grandness of the fact that Jesus came from heaven to this earth in the form of a baby. And the story was not perfect and the story was messed up. And people talked bad about him. But this was God's way of saying to us that he loved us. He sent his son to this earth to die. And he sent him into this world in the most humble of conditions. And people thought nothing of him. The true, the true meaning of the story of Christmas isn't found in the packages. It's not found in the carols. It's not found in the eggnog. It's not found in Christmas dinner. The true story of the meaning of Christmas is the fact that God's son, Jesus Christ, God with us, came to this earth and he was willing to do whatever it took Whatever it took for you and for me. Whatever it took. Even, even unto being born as a little humble baby. And then growing from there and living a perfect life. Having no sin. Knowing no sin. Being absolutely perfect. But then, but then being despised by his very own people. Being despised by his very own people. Serving people who were ungrateful and unwilling to love. And to live for God. The story of Christmas is about remembering that Jesus Christ was willing to do whatever it took to get into this world and to die for us, to pay for our sins. People, we have to do, we, little Christ, followers of Christ, have to do whatever we can to think of Christmas as Christ more. Christ more. Christ is the center of everything we do. And Christmas shouldn't be the one day of the year that we celebrate and remember what Jesus Christ did for us. But let me challenge you today. Do not miss the real meaning of Christmas. Don't think of the story with rose petals and shiny flashes and cameras there. Please, don't think of Santa and his jolliness. Don't think of the elves. Think of the cost. Think of the price that Jesus paid when he came from the side of God the Father to this earth to begin a life that would lead him to death, but that would lead us to life. You know, this morning, I'm, I'm no fool. I'm no fool. I look out and I look into a room of high school students and I know without question, without question, that there are those of you here, you do not know Jesus Christ. You don't know him. You just don't. And there are those of you here who, you're here this morning and you are struggling so mightily in your life. Man, you're trapped in sin. You're struggling with looking at things that you shouldn't look at. You're struggling with partying. It's your boyfriend you struggle with. It's your girlfriend. You struggle with your parents. Your parents have been divorced and remarried three different times. Your life is spinning out of control. But let me tell you, God, God loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die for you. 
You know, it's amazing. The story doesn't end here with the birth because he goes on to do that, to die. He says, if anyone would believe in me, if anyone would confess with their mouth that I, that I died for them and that I rose again, that they'll be saved. And it goes on to say that anyone who is in Christ, anyone Anyone who's in Christ becomes a new creation. The old is gone. It's dead. All of the hurt and the pain and the sorrow and the sadness, it's done. It's gone. He'll take it from you. And that doesn't mean that you won't remember that it happened, but it means that he'll give you victory. He'll give you victory. He'll give you strength to face things that you don't believe you can face. And this morning, I just I want to close out our time with prayer. I just want to close it out with prayer. Nathan's going to come pick, and that's all he's going to do. We're not going to sing. He's just going to pick a little background music. And I just want you to bow right where you are. And I want you to pray. And I want you to pray. And if today, if it's you and you're going, you know what? He's right. Christ has not been the center. He hasn't been the center. Then you ask God, God, put Christ back at the center of everything in my life. Everyone, just bow your heads. Let's just pray. He's going to pick, man. We're just going to close out the time praying. And you know what? There's some of you, and you, you sort of bow your head because everyone else does it, but you would admit, I don't know Jesus. I don't know him. I don't have a relationship with him. You know what? I want to tell you that he's here. He's here right now, and he's willing. He's willing that if you would just call out to him, that if you would just say, Jesus, I know that I've sinned and I've made a mistake. God, that I've messed up in my life and that I need you to forgive me. I want to be saved from my sin. That if you do that this morning, if you say that to him with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you say that to him, that he is faithful. He will forgive you of your sins. He will make you a new creation.